Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by my co-host and star of this show, Sal Marinello. This is the Hot Corner with Coach Sal, episode 372. Before we bring Sal on here, I know he's just getting done with a client, hops right into the studio. Just want to thank three groups quickly, 60,000 and growing, 74 countries. Whatever language you listen to this show in, give Sal five stars, write some great comments so we can battle the analytics of the podcast world, just like they do in Major League Baseball. To our friend, Blackout Coffee, capital letters, Sal M with the number 20, get you 20% at checkout. So Sal M 20, get you 20% at checkout. That rewards Coach Sal here for doing a great job with us on the podcast network and uh, gives you a little Christmas bonus uh, as well as an audience. So do that for us, do that for them, and let's support Blackout Coffee, Be Awake, Not Woke. And to our buddy Ted Kubiak out there, one of the finest fielding shortstops in the history of Major League Baseball. Jim Cott said he used to call him smooth out there. Nobody better to watch fielding a ground ball. Get us two books if you got a baseball lover. Old school, uh, it's Ted's journey through baseball, his view on the game, and then how to field a ground ball, just as simple as it sounds. The most comprehensive approach to fielding a ground ball that I've seen, read, or heard. So very different than what you see out there. Uh, but with that, uh, Sal, welcome back to your show. Great to be here. A lot to talk about. Yeah, and uh, congratulations on being a... Uh, a blackout coffee man now. We'll have to... Uh, so I want to talk, you know, you brought that up. First of all, um, there's something I want to bring up. I was remiss last week. We always talk about we want feedback, and I get great fe- feedback, and I didn't recognize it last week. One of our regular listeners, Pop, he follows both of us, follows us on Instagram. He has reached out to me over the years, and he's the one who gave me the heads up about the um, Gary Brocka podcast on the Rogan show. And that was kind of one of the things we talked about in the show last week that had a big impact on me because there were a couple of things in that show that prompted me to um, make a, a change or try to make some changes. And uh, and we'll, we'll get to that, but I, before I forget, I just wanted to mention that because it was before last week's show and, and I had mentioned some things on the show. So for sure, I wanted to just let uh, Deepop know that um, I've given him some credit, credit where credit is due. As, as I always say, Dave, I don't know all the answers, but what I think I'm very good at is getting good answers, knowing where to go to get good answers, and also being able to kind of um, look through the garbage and pick out what, what's worthwhile and, and recognize garbage and, and, and scams when I see it. And I, I think it's worth repeating. Anyone who's not familiar with Gary Brock is certainly should, certainly should go to the Rogan podcast because that will give you a crash course and everything you need to know about him. Totally legit guy, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, totally looking at ways to make you better without having to spend money. And of course, there's always the opportunity to spend some money in order to improve your lot. But again, uh, I just wanted to bring that up and, and mention it again, because I'm going to talk about 
some of those things, again, that were part of that podcast and a big change it's made in what I see in just a, a week or so. So, Yeah, David Popowitz, great supporter of the show. He's, I think he listens to every show that we do and uh, gives great feedback. Le- does the same thing for me, leads me in directions to just provoke thought. And uh, we appreciate him as an active listener and all, all the people that get to us. We get 700 plus DMs a day. But, but I'd, I'd say, you know, like I joke about Ted, Ted emails me every day gives great feedback on the shows and, um, and he lo- loves you, Sal loves, loves your approach to, to, uh, your podcast. And you know, the other thing, and, and we talked about this on the round table show, but that's the problem with people. Everyone has to be an expert and, and not ever be afraid to say they don't know something. And, and, but at the same time, be a source for information or a resource so you can get that information. I can't tell you the opportunities, well, I can tell you, but I won't tell you, but can say so many times in my travels where I'm trying to work as an independent and work as a consultant to some pro teams and college teams, there's this protection of turf that goes on that, for instance, if you're to go into a medical department, medical uh, or or the, or the training department of a, a major league or, or NFL team, there is such territorial behavior between those two that no one discusses what the other people are doing, or a lot of teams don't, which is why we have a, a disaster in this field. And I was in a couple of situations where I felt I had some very good information to at least warrant a hearing, so to speak. And we're flat out told by the head trainer of one team and the, the director of sports technology of this other team that they wouldn't bring us in because it would be, would be perceived as we were stepping on someone's toes. So that, that goes out to all the strength coaches out there who think they have to know everything and who wouldn't bring someone in from the outside who could help them because most strength coaches, Dave, that we hear about don't know what the hell they're doing as evidenced by the massive injury problems that we have. So uh, that, and that's a big problem in the field. So I, I just wanted to touch on that. I'm, I'm always of the, uh, of the opinion that everybody has something worthwhile to say, and you could pretty much figure out in short order if it's if it's valid or not valid. But you always listen to everybody, so well, I just I, to get that little bit in there. I think it's great. The, the, I think a message to some of the whether they're strength coaches or baseball coaches or whatever they call them now, information gatherers. Some of these these uh, these clubs have now with Major League Baseball. We're seeing AI, which is artificial intelligence analytics subversion enter our sports world. It's entered our, our world as a whole, but you mentioned it as part of strength and conditioning. When when people lack the inability to reason, you're going to start falling victim to some of these things taking over your lot in life and taking over your job. We've seen it happen with Major League Baseball, and I'm concerned about that. I mean, th- those things, AI analytics, uh, subversion, those things, they, they lack the ability to reason. And the, close, the, the more our minds are closed to opinions like you're talking about, Sal, the more we're going to fall victim to those things taking us over in terms of our jobs, our thought processes, our lives. So I, I, I caution everybody out there. It's a good point. I know it was made towards strength coaches, but happens to hit a strong point for me with uh, as we get ready to uh, start our uh, our homeschool. We're going to put that on a podcast and, and a video show starting in the new year. So that's one of the key points I went through yesterday. Well, so- one, of, one of the I heard this phrase and uh, it was in my deep dive reading that I've kind of 
followed the last six months about our timeline of history and civilization. And the author was talking about the establishment's refusal to look at this new information. When you, when you think about archaeology, it's based on what's been found. Well, the stuff that was, in, was found 150 plus years ago through the, uh, doesn't set in stone our history. And stuff is always being found that changes and requires a reassessment. But it, it's not being done despite ample evidence. And, and we could go down that rabbit hole at another time. But the phrase that the author used was, it's as if a blind man declared himself an expert and said that there is no such thing as light and refused to debate it. And, and that's what we're getting in these fields. I think that's a great analogy. It's, it's obviously not picking on the blind. Heaven forbid we denigrate some handicapped group or other, uh, other group, but that's, that's basically a great analogy. We're, we're, we're basically being told to do things by self-opposed or self, I'm sorry, self-appointed experts that have blinders on. And so I just heard that and I thought it was a great, a great phrase. I like that one. Yeah. And you have to worry about our audience is not sensitive. They're not triggered. Um, Yeah. I was being kind of facetious. Pretty pretty intelligent. Yeah. They, we never have, that's the one luxury we have with our audience. We never have to worry about that stuff. So speak as you may. It was a great, great point made. Hey, now you mentioned uh, Joe Rogan. I know we both listen to his podcast, great long form podcaster. And you said, uh, was it Gary Rocca, the one we, we referenced last Bronca, week? Yeah, Rocca. Rocca. Um, what, what about this one? You, you had mentioned to me about um, about uh, Baker. She was a Sean, Sean Baker. Baker. Yeah, Sean Baker. You know, I've seen him on social media. He, he's, he um, always is promoting the carnivore diet and that attracts my attention. And then on the Rogan podcast, I haven't finished it. I've gotten through about the first 25% or so. He talked about his background and his background, Dave, is uh, he's an orthopedic surgeon who was actually threatened with decertification by, I forget what state he was in. He didn't mention it. I don't think he mentioned it because of his medical advice. And he was, he was again, trying to treat people without surgery and drugs. And that got him in trouble with the authorities. And, and that's the real problem. Think about that. The, this, the medical profession is self-policing and they're self-policing in an area where you would think would be welcome, but they're still stuck on, they want to do surgeries, they want medical interventions, and they want you to take pharmaceuticals. So this Sean Baker has bucked the trend. He's gotten so depressed and turned off by how the medical profession and how the healthcare system in our country is run. He's turned to this kind of um, uh, alternative way to get people healthy. And he is starting a company that what, what, what it's basically designed to do, Dave, it's, it's designed to give people treatment that they need, not treatment that the, um, the, the medical profession is claiming that they should have. And, and it always revolves around these medical interventions, these uh, surgery, surgeries or pharmaceuticals. And he's producing or uh, creating this online medical clinic called Rivero, which is due to, to go live, I believe he said, sometime this month. It's R-E-V-E-R-O. I haven't had a chance to look at it, but it sounds interesting to me because he's gotten um, 
raised a lot of money to be able to do this in all 50 states and all the different states. So it, it's going to be an interesting concept. It is an interesting concept. It'll be interesting to see how it's actually implemented. Yeah, I like, you know, I'm glad people are continuing to, they get, I guess they're calling it being censored or canceled, but we, in the light of your, your word of, of the year, Gaslight, I think it's important for people like Sean. That's why we started this network, Real Voices of the Game. Um, it's, I don't know that it's about censorship as much. It goes back to that point I mentioned about um, getting people to stop reasoning, stop thinking. And, and again, that, that promotes uh, AI analytics subversion really entering our world. So I'm going to go and listen to that one probably after this show when I go for a run, um, listen to that podcast because I, I enjoy him. And what, what's his diet now, the carnivore diet? Did well, you get the, kind diet? Of the carnivore diet is basically what you would think. It's just eat meat. And he makes great points. He says all these, quote, experts that were getting bombarded with this, and we've talked about it on the show, with this meat is bad and meat causes cancer. And he said that's nonsense because if you just look at the numbers for the amount of people that eat meat and the cancer rates don't match up, the the cancer rates don't equate to the reality of what would happen if cancer caused me. And there's obviously other causes. There's other issues. And we've talked about them on the show. It's this desire, A, to control the food supply. It's the, it's the desire to have power over the populace. And, and it's very hard to come away from any kind of evaluation of what's going on and who owns what and what, what we see in the in the media and what we see advertised as far as what we should eat, what we should drink, and also the med- medications we're being, uh, that are being forced upon people. It's hard. And, and, and we don't even have to uh, become a conspiracy theorist, Dave. When you look at the, the fact is that the large investment firms like BlackRock and Vanguard, and I believe it's State Street, and there's a few others. Dave, all those companies own big food. And all those companies own big pharma. So whether or not you want to believe there's a plan to sell people food that's going to make them sick, that's going to depend on pharmaceuticals, or the reality is these companies, uh, these people own companies that sell food that is profitable, that causes problems, and then in turn can be treated by these drugs that these companies that these people also own make. What's the difference? I don't care about the motive. The reality is, at the end of the day, the end result is the same overarching financial concerns own all of these companies. So whether it's their business model, whether it's just the consequence of reality of what people will do, the bottom line is we're being sold food that's making us unhealthy, less healthy, and then we're being sold drugs from the same people who are selling us the food that are trying to fix the problem. And what Baker basically says is if we go back and strip away the diet to the basics of eating red meat, he says he eats red meat pretty much exclusively. And you look at the numbers when you go to get your checkup. I mentioned it on the show. I am not as strict as Dr. Baker is, but I'm certainly strict. My cholesterol hasn't changed in years and I have no other unhealthy biomarkers when I get my physical taken. So 
that's kind of a nutshell of what, what the, where the beginning of this goes. And he's getting into the research end of it now as uh, I get into a later part of that podcast. But I would recommend everyone listen to it. Yeah. Your boys at Pfizer are doing that, aren't they? Uh, trying to possibly correct the problem they created. Yeah, we're getting these uh, heart problem drugs. That's probably not the right term, but uh, these drugs that are designed to address heart issues that have come about since the vaccine would be um, on the market. So I'm not saying one caused the other, but it's interest. Isn't it interesting that the same company that made billions and hundreds of billions on the vaccine is now coming out with drugs designed to treat those heart problems that came about maybe at the same time that the uh, vaccines came out. Just interesting. Well, it's a, it's a classic, uh, it's a classic maneuver. And how do you get people to follow you or the indoctrinate people create a problem for them and already have the solution prepared. And, and what, what's the other great thing about Baker and it needs to be said, and we need to repeat it or we've repeated it here is how the, 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 the cholesterol causing heart disease is being, has been debunked. Eating cholesterol and having it raise your uh, circulating cholesterol levels. Actually, since 2015, even the governmental governmental authorities have, and, and, and all the other boards, what whatnot, have made that known that eating cholesterol doesn't raise your cholesterol. So, it, but it needs to be repeated. And two other things. Uh, Baker mentions that there's going to be a pre-release of data from a paper that look at people who have higher than what's considered good cholesterol, but have no other health issues and the relationship between that and longevity and their general overall health. He's saying what he knows so far is going to, and what he feels is going to come about as a result of this paper, which is going to be released. The the pre-release will be next week. And then he thinks the actual publication will be late winter, early spring is going to say that high cholesterol alone doesn't have any negative effect on your longevity and your health. And what we also do know is, and he reinforced it, is that people on the low end of the cholesterol scale uh, have a higher all-cause mortality. So there's a lot of interesting information that will come out in this that could really shake things up as far as the general population and the perception of what is considered healthy. Now, where is he going to release this? Well, it's not him. It's a it's a series of researchers. Uh, I, it's a con, it's a big uh, it's a big conference. I guess that that's the process when these papers are done. They basically have uh, like a red carpet. If you want to use a Hollywood analogy, they have a red carpet treatment type thing at a, a big conference so that all the experts hear it. They review the data and then the publication is usually at some point after people are already made have already been made aware of it. So. We'll definitely be looking for that, uh, and we'll be talking about it on the show when it comes out. I'm going to have to look for that as well. And one of the other great things uh, Baker mentions, and he reinforces, is that the there was a study that was done at Harvard in the 50s that was paid for or paid off for by the sugar industry, which scientists took that money to say that sugar was the cause of heart disease. And from that one fraudulent study, we've had 
uh, 70 plus years of bad advice that have resulted in untold deaths and illnesses and general overall lack of good health from that one study that you could still go to doctors today that are going to tell you facts bad for you and it's not the sugar when they've known since this study was done in the 50s that it was sugar all along. Yeah, no, we, I, that's, that's, I can't believe that's even a debate at all with it. Well, with, uh, I'm glad, uh, Baker's battling back because we need to get all, whatever the information is, whatever the field is, we've got to get it out there and keep pushing hard because the less right information out there, the more we have this crazy stuff out here. And like I said, when, when AI starts taking over more and more, that doesn't reason, doesn't rational, just takes what's out there on the internet. And we've got to start controlling that. What, what about this guy in, in, I know we got a New Zealand contingency, if you, if you want to move on with it. What, what happened to this uh, doctor in New Zealand when he spoke well, out? Mentioned New something. Zealand, Dave, as, as a lot of us well know, was, if not the most vaccinated, heavily vaccinated country, it was up there and they have a, a, an incredibly high vaccination rate. And, and also, I believe they've had a continually high uh, COVID rate, despite the fact that they had this high vaccination rate. And uh, that was one of the first places. And, and I believe we have a, a good a good audience in New Zealand. They, yeah. they can probably uh, either confirm or, or deny us, but uh, they've had a, a pretty fair amount of post-vaccination COVID cases. Well, there is a, a statistician and a whistleblower that worked and had access to the uh, database on the vaccine deaths in New Zealand and came up with the statistics that had this incredibly high death rate and, and tracked it to specific batches of IDs that were given. And at the end of the day, the, the, the statistical analysis, Dave, is the chances of the batches not being a killer are 100 billion to one. And if you if you look this up, you could find the story that um, that basically gives you all the details and and shows you the different batches. And for instance, he, there's this batch ID number one, where 711 people were vaccinated and 152 people died, which is a over 20 percent dead from vaccines. Now, Dave, I don't know if you remember. There were the uh, there was a um, a problem with a couple of with a, a model a certain model of baby cribs, and I believe two babies were killed um, being in this crib, and that crib was immediately pulled off the market. Now that was two cribs out of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of cribs. Here we have a case where they knew a batch was given to 711 people, and 152 of them died, and nothing was done about it. And that repeats itself. If you if you find the article, uh, this Barry Young is his name, and and to add um, to this absurdity, he was arrested for making this data public by like regular police. Yeah, by the authorities in uh, in 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 New Zealand. Oh well, I'm supposed to do a clinic out there in the fall next year. I better curb the podcast stuff then, huh? Up until then, I like to make it back in one piece. Yeah, that's that's a shame that that happens. But hopefully, well, maybe he can take cues from from Sean Baker and uh, find his way 
back because we can't have guys like that uh, Gasla. They have to they have to have the they have to have the form to speak up. And I mean, he's got to have the courage now to battle back. Anyway, I mean, he got thrown in jail. Is he how long? No, so, so they, yeah, they according to the accounts here, they the police were at his house and they and this was um this was an article I, I'm I'm calling upon highlights that were in this article in the New Zealand Herald. And the author, the writer of the article was this guy, Jeff Childers. But they don't deny the uh, any of the validity of the data. They don't deny anything about questioning anything that he did. Was oh, it actually access it? Is that the problem? Yeah, they're going to they're going to say that he is not a vaccine expert. They insist that he is not a vaccine expert, but the the. This guy Young never claims to be. He is a database administrator who was simply a statistical guy who was able to look at the numbers and and tell you what that would be. So they don't they're not claiming in any way that the data is fake, altered or compromised or even misrepresented or misrepresented. So. They, they they're telling and they're claiming him again with the new. Orwellian phrase of spreading misinformation but they don't describe what this misinformation is. They don't even say that, the, again, there's nothing that, that claims the data was incorrect or he was um, misinterpreting it or misreporting on it. That he's, he's just saying, he doesn't even say, he didn't even come flat out and say that the, the, the vaccines are unsafe. He just is presenting this information. So... I just got a text. I good, good. I won't say who it is, so they don't get arrested. But um, from one of my contacts in New Zealand, it's like five fifteen tomorrow morning over there. So he was he was officially charged with dishonestly accessing vaccination data. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're claiming he's a whistleblower. And yeah, you're right. They, there's no. They didn't discount the information, which includes mortality rates, things of that nature. Um, but it's got the batches, uh, the total vaccinated, the death counts, obviously the percentage dead's not that hard to figure out, but, uh, yeah, interesting. Well, and you know, what's interesting, Dave, is how the, the, uh, the scale of, I don't want to say the scale of justice, but what, what, what determines a whistleblower is depending on the political position you take, you know, I'm old enough to remember something called the Pentagon papers. You could go back and look that up. And it basically was a guy got access to top secret documents that gave you a glimpse into what was going on in the military during Vietnam and and in general. And he was to this day lauded as a hero by the media and and others. And, And you could track and trace these whistleblowers who got data they weren't supposed to get and brought it to the public's attention. That, again, we have whistleblower laws here. I'm not sure about New Zealand, but that's designed to protect people who are doing the right thing. Certainly, this guy hasn't done anything untoward with the data. He hasn't tried to profit off of it. He hasn't misrepresented it. So, again, it just shows you what the uh, what the powers that be are willing to do to keep their secrets secret. Yeah, and he's he's made two court appearances now, and they said each time he comes, he gets a standing ovation. Yeah, as he comes from a packed gallery. And here, here's the five key takeaways. This is in Wellington, New Zealand. Number they number one, they 
They do not deny that the leaker, in quotes, was a health system employee, confirming, confirming basically Young's claims. Um, they insist that he's not a vaccine expert. That's their biggest issue, um, which, again, is consistent with his claims that he's not. He didn't ever claim to be. He's an Oracle database administrator. And then uh, they do not claim that his data is fake. So as you said, uh, it's not fake, altered, compromised, misrepresented in any way. So we can assume, I guess, that his data is legit. And the most telling one is that they they allege that Young was spreading misinformation, but never described the alleged misinformation, not even a little. Right. Uh, the closest they got to was implying that Young generally accused the jabs of being unsafe, which is not a crime even in New Zealand. So he didn't commit a crime. And then uh, and then it was it was unsurprising that Young was arrested. And since after all, he did he did leak the confidential information, but it is shocking how fast they arrested him. Uh, by comparison, it took 18 months to arrest Rebecca Jones. And then only after Florida police actually conducted an investigation. Um, so I don't know who Rebecca Jones is, but um, but yeah, 18 months, usually they take long, but they said they, they it was like a turbo arrest, they said. So uh, it, was, it was, I guess the, the cover up was needed to happen real quickly. So yeah, what they're, they're sending the message that anybody that wants to do this is going to get jammed up. Yeah, not like they got him in a hurry, but that's, I love how these people are on it now. People are starting to, they're tired of it. It's, it's right in front of their faces and they realize if they don't fight back, if it could happen to him, it could happen to you, it could happen to me. So um, I'm glad people are starting to battle with that. Um, visceral fat, unless you got more on that one. You sent me a, uh, I, I love the phrase visceral fat, but the, it was, I think you said it on Instagram. Um, yeah. Feed where it was, there was, it was about cancer. So obviously it's, a, you know, right now is some of the big Jimmy V stuff. Uh, there's big stuff on Dick Vitale, his cancer right down. So in the sports world, um, you know, there, there's been, I mean, we, we know how much money Jimmy V's raised for cancer with that, but, um, people aren't looking to the root causes for what's going on, especially in our food and diet. And I thought this, this thing you sent me on, which they called it visceral fat was, was telling. Well, so visceral fat is not the, the, uh, the fat that like you pinch an inch on your people always are like looking at their tricep or their, their love quote, love handles. That's not visceral fat. Visceral fat is literally referred to as belly fat. That's not again, not right under the skin, not superficial, but it's deep and it's inside in your abdominal cavity. And it surrounds organs that are in your abdominal cavity, your stomach, your liver. It's different. Like again, what we call the fat that's under your skin is called subcutaneous fat. That's what when you if you've ever had your body fat taken with calipers, body fat calipers, that pinches. And depending on the sites, it's three or seven. It's the thigh. It's kind of like laterally to your oblique. It's up by your chest. It's your tricep. And other methods use other locations. That is subcutaneous fat. Visceral fat, again, is deep in your in your abdominal cavity and is actually the fat that's more dangerous to your health. And if you're able to get your body fat taken, and these days, bioelectrical impedance has become kind of the best technology because it's readily accessible, very inexpensive, doesn't require a high, if any, amount of tester expertise. 
So you can go get your body fat checked. And, and, and one of the measurements you'll get is your visceral fat. And that really, I've always looked at that, is not only a marker of health, the lower that visceral fat is, but it's also a referendum on what your lifestyle is like, your overall lifestyle, if it's healthy or not. You're not going to find someone that eats well and has a, a good routine that's going to have high visceral fat. Uh, I, In my experience, you'll find, even though people who are somewhat fit, if you eat fast food and regularly and or drink regularly, you will have higher visceral fat than you should. So that's kind of like a little up primer on what uh, the visceral fat is. And, and there's associations between high levels of visceral fat and cancer, high levels of visceral fat and diabetes and, you know, the usual suspects. I've never heard of a screening specific for that. And is it true that when I watched it, it was on, was it Peak Human? Was the, but it was Food Lies was the site. Yeah. But Peak Human was the lady that was given the, the information, the scientific information that it's a leading cause of cancer. Well, it's, I'm not expert enough to parse those words and know if it actually causes cancer or if it's a, if there is a very strong connection. My sense is there's a very strong connection. I'd have to dig a little deeper into that. Again, it was a short post on Instagram. There's, there's no question that visceral fat is, um, is a negative. And, and, you know, from what I know, again, high visceral fat is going to be associated with diabetes, heart disease, and stroke. They know that. So it really does not surprise me if you're going to make that next step and say cancer, because all those inflammatory conditions are highly related to lifestyle. So, and, and, and really it's, um, it, 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 it plays an active role in how your body functions because you will, the fat that's in that area has a detrimental effect on your function. So, uh, and, and you know, you'll see, sometimes you'll see that person that's overall thin and has that distended abdomen. A lot of times that can be indicative of a visceral fat, high level of visceral fat. And again, that would be reflective of drinking excess alcohol, poor diet, maybe not diet to eating to the excess, but just eating garbage all the time. So um, that, that is kind of the, the, the way, the best way to di differentiate visceral fat from the, the other fat and from subcutaneous fat and, and why it's so damaging. And this is not a hereditary thing. This is a, you actively have to do bad things to develop this. Well, I mean, hereditary, you know, <clears throat> genetic factors always have some, uh, some effect, but nothing is written in stone. It, it, that, that's become a great crutch. Certainly your body type might be affected. That's why this research that Sean Baker mentions is interesting because you could be overweight in some, by some standards and have high cholesterol and have no other biomarkers beyond no medication and be otherwise healthy. And why would that be a problem? And, and we'll, again, we'll, we will see as research is done that legitimately is looking into these situations, we'll have more information and be better 
suited to give people good good information. But you know, there's no question that you know it's diet, it's fatty foods, it's sugar, it's bad fatty foods, not good fatty foods like red meat and dairy and whole natural whole foods like that. But garbage like fast foods and sugars and a, and a bad lifestyle. So that 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 that's a big part of it. And and there's the stress element too. There's the element of of true stress that affects your body's cortisol levels, which kicks off a whole series of reactions that ultimately will result result in you storing more visceral fat. Yeah. And I, I was taking a look at Sean Baker. What, what is, he's a world champion athlete also. So he's not just a medical doctor that's a, you know, a, a theorist. He's actually out there doing it. Did you hear anything or catch what well, he's? He looks the part, you know, he, if you look at his posts on Instagram, he's a big, a big, healthy, fit looking guy. Uh, I'm not familiar with his athletic exploits, but wouldn't surprise me. So. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that. because that, so the, the best way to, to get rid of, to find out, you have to find out a place that has a bioelectrical impedance because the other methods that are, are being recommended to try to figure out what your visceral fat is are not very exact. And for this type of issue, you want to get the real information, not estimate it. And, and, the, the old school waist measurement, waist to hip size is okay. Your BMI is just nonsense. You're going to see body mass index referred to. Body mass index is nonsense. Uh, waist to height ratio, again, that probably comes under your BMI. Is that the best way? Probably not. Go get a good bioelectrical impedance body composition test done. And that's basically a fancy way of saying they shoot electric uh, electrical charges, electrical pulse goes through your body. It's nothing you feel, and and based on the 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 what's being sent through your body, it's able to pick up the different types of fat. A real good bioelectrical impedance system will give you your bone mass. It will give you your obviously your body. Uh, your body fat mass, your musculature mass, and it, it really breaks down and it gives you stuff way more than that, stuff you'll never even need to know. But it's really very complete and it's much better than the old school body fat method, which is um, where they submerge you in water. That that's just gives you two numbers. That gives you your that gives you your body fat and it gives you your lean mass. It doesn't give you any other information. Bioelectrical impedance can give you a whole lot more information. Yeah, the old stuff's like measuring spin rate to see how good a pitcher is. And yeah. what about that? They used to have one I remember where it was almost like a, it looked like almost thicker chopsticks. They'd come and pinch your body to see what your body uh, fat. Do you remember that? Yeah, those are body calipers, uh, body fat calipers. That again, you could do the. Th there was a three site measurement and a five site measurement. I believe there's even a seven site measurement. And that, that's good because it's re replicable. You know, as long as the same person is doing it, the problem with the body fat calipers is there's a, a certain technique involved so that your technique, Dave, and my technique might, might vary enough to, to, result, uh, to skew the result. But 
pretty much if you use the same practitioner, you won't have that issue. So how close is, I know you haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but I, I've been scrolling a little bit of Sean as you, you've been chatting. How much of, how close to, is your diet to his diet? Um, I would probably say three quarters of the way there. And I, I would say I tend to get a little more, I'm a, I'll, I'll stray a little bit more because I know where my body fat is and I know what my body weight is and I know what my other numbers are that I will indulge in the occasional thing I enjoy if it's uh, of a high quality. So if I go to a place, Dave, and they're known for their burgers and they have a great roll, I'm going to have that burger in a roll. I'm not going to eat it by itself or eat a salad. So, you know, those types of things I, uh, I will do. I eat sushi. So sushi is not on the uh, carnivore diet, obviously, because carnivore means meat. So, um, you know, that's a little bit of a variation. And, and I don't yeah. think it's, it's necessary to avoid and be that strict, to be quite honest with you. I think, again, what we're trying to avoid is the processed carbs and, and processed foods in general, even if it's, quote, supposed to be better stuff for you. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of these uh, very extreme diets. Don't, that always concerns me when it's, uh, you know, as I, I, I asked you for that, just that purpose, because I, I knew it wasn't going to be a hundred percent of it. It, it. I love the fact that people are promoting easy ways or I don't want to say cookie cutter, because it's going to make it sound like I don't believe it because I use that in a negative way. But I guess easy to follow ways for people to get healthier in terms of eating but they go in all different directions. And I think that confuses people. But what I, the audience I think takes away from you is it's okay to think it's okay to learn, explore. You have to have a little bit of a, you know, a sifter in your brain to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. But the process thing is a, that's a no brainer. I think that's across all of our, the different things we've explored here, that processed food obviously is, is no, no. I mean, I would, if I, I think you look at the practicality if i you know i'm, I'm ho i would like to get to the point and sooner than later where you're in a place where you could grill all year round you can have an outdoor grill you can have your cuts of meat and ready to go and cook them and put them on the grill and have a, have the vegetables that you want and that's it i would do that uh, i would like to get to that point at this point just from a lifestyle practicality standpoint, I can't. That's why I try to do as well as I can, given the circumstances. I, I could see the argument of someone's like, geez, you know, I have a family of four and we're all on different schedules. It's kind of tough. I get that. And, and I don't think you have to be 100% with, with these methods. I think you have to be 100% with what you avoid more so than a hundred percent with the, the positives of what you're eating. And I think, you know, you, it's the old addition by subtraction. Yeah. Take again this morning at Wawa, I get my coffee, adults and children, a bag of some kind of chips, a bag of some kind of sweet pre-made baked good and either a soda or a Gatorade or an energy drink. And if there were 20 people in there, there were probably 19 of them, 18 of them that were checking out or walking around the store with that in their hands. And I, I look every morning now. It's hard to unsee it once I've seen it. Yeah, that may, may be a post if they'll lie to post them. Get a uh, 
get a picture of them with their their unhealthy food, have them hold it up, and we'll put it on yeah. social form as what not to do. Now, I, I think, well, you, you want to grill outside. I get the house is for sale next to me down here, so we'll yeah. put a grill up in between. We can grill during the podcast yeah. if you get we your could share. We could split nights. We could, well, you could cook one night. I'll cook the next. Yeah, we got to remember on my end, I, I come with baggage. I've got four grown okay. kids that eat like crazy, and my wife eats me under the table. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if that's a fair trade for you, but yeah, we'll take you down here. I like good neighbors. Well, and there's a cut of meat I have a hard time finding here. It's picana, P-I-C-A-N-H-A steak, that uh, a couple of these carnivore uh, I, I Instagram guys are always promoting. It's it's hard to find here. Uh, I definitely want to try it, though, because it's supposed to be similar to sirloin, a little less expensive, I think. Uh, I, I believe... Um, it's a leaner cut, but I, I, I'm trying to find it, but it's very difficult to get it up here. It's Brazilian, right? I think it is. Yeah. There is a, well, I'm going to get you the restaurant because my my college teammate and roommate um, is from New Jersey, Clifton. Sam, I know Sam listens to the show, Pulis. He took me to a Brazilian steakhouse and it was $50. I thought it was a joke. Eat all you can eat, just eat. And uh, <laughs> I couldn't get, and that was why I believe that was one of the, the, the meat cuts. And you, 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 you just sit and go through rotate. I didn't get through one time the rotation. I had the meat sweats by like the, the fifth meat, I think, because it was just too much. Yeah, there's meat. a couple of those places, more than a couple up here. There's a, a really good chain called Fogo de Chow that um, is opening up one local to me. And I've taken my sons to the one down in Baltimore area. Uh, it's awesome. It's a Brazilian steakhouse. It's called Churrascaria. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but you got to go with your appetite and and you have to learn how to pace yourself because the, the system is you go in, you pay for it. Yeah. Plus they have a ridiculous salad buffet that if you're a salad junkie and a, um, I'm a huge fan of all of the salad accessories like uh, marinated artichoke hearts, all kinds of different lettuces, all kinds of marinated vegetables. It's just amazing. And then you sit at the table and they just start walking around with these cuts of meat and they give you, most of these places give you a, a card. It's like a coaster. One side is red and one side is green. If the green side is up, they'll come over and slice meat for you. They ask you, obviously, if you'd like it. And it's on these huge skewers. And if you if you want to take a break, you just flip it over. But if anyone goes to them, my, my advice is you start slow because you get so psyched up by this meat fest that you, you're eating everything from sausage to prime rib to filet to pork, different cuts of pork, chicken, all every kind of different cut of meat you could think of. You just have to pace yourself. Yeah. No, it's I'll, I'll get that name for you, the restaurant. And I believe Jack Cust and Jack Cust Jr. They have a great facility down there. They they do a wonderful job in in youth youth baseball. And of course, Jack Jr. played in the big leagues for a while. Was a tremendous prospect and had a had a, had a really good uh, MLB career. We've had him on the show, I think, twice. But they're building community now around their facility, right around. Uh, uh, I have to get the name of the the New Jersey. They're, they're Diamond Nation, which is yeah, it's, about, it's about a half hour from where I live. West. So 
I believe they're putting a Brazilian steakhouse up there because they're, they're doing restaurants, hotels. We'll have to check on that and see how far along they are. Maybe get them back on your show. And Well, th- if you went with your buddy, Dave, there is a Fogo de Chao in Wayne, it, which is right right there where your buddy's from. If you were up, is that's, if that's where you went, because that's... Uh... This was a while ago. This was, oh gosh, I was on a recruiting trip. This This was probably almost... I would say 18 years ago. Yeah, it's been around. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. But you know, we're I find that trip too. We're we're in the heart of, um, uh, of that ethnic kind of food group here between Newark. Newark has some of the original non-chain style restaurants of that of that kind. So uh, it it was very possible that you were there, but. whatever the, the, it's becoming incredibly popular. So um, if anyone has a chance to go, if you're a meat fan and just love food, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Well, what, what have we covered today? I know I kept you for close to an hour. What did you want to get to that? Uh, I, I want to end yeah. with, um, I'm not going to get into the whole Bill Gates thing. It's a, just a downer and it's depressing. We'll, we'll talk about that next week and then we, we can recover from it and talk about someone positive. What, what I will say about Gates is, He's doing nothing that benefits humanity, and he's portraying himself as doing such. And this is how, well, this is, think about this until we talk about it next week before I give you the parting shot. But he's doing nothing that's benefiting anybody except himself. And if you look at what's being done in the third world by his foundation, they are basically pushing their vaccination agenda on these poor third world nations in exchange for them getting money to use for things they really need. If Gates was really so concerned with improving mankind, he would go to these third world nations and improve the sanitary conditions, make sure they had access to clean water and basics of food, which we know is really responsible for the increase in our overall health as a society. If you go back and even look at our government's data, our longevity, our, our health and lifestyle improved in advance of vaccines thanks to the improvement in our sanitary conditions, our clean water access, and our better food supply. So those are the things that need to be done in these countries. You don't need to go down to a country where people are starving and vaccinate them and have an agenda where the vaccines actually have other effects on the population than what the vaccine is intended to do. Plus you're not feeding them or making them healthier in any way. So I got a little more off the tangent on that than I wanted to, but um, just keep that in mind when you look at at the efforts of of what he's doing. But what I wanna leave you with Dave is, and you know I'm a big lacrosse guy, there is a, a quarterback on the Alabama roster by the name of Tyler Buckner. And uh, he's announced that as soon as he he transferred to Alabama from Notre Dame. And as soon as the season's over this year, he's going to be in the transfer portal, go back to Notre Dame and and play on their lacrosse team. Uh, They're defending national champion lacrosse team this year. So it's kind of a cool story. Uh, I'm always for something that rises, raises the profile of lacrosse. And it's been getting a lot of play on social media. So if you see that, it's just an interesting, uh, an interesting story. And you could start to see how these high-level athletes are playing both sports. And uh, they have a true love for lacrosse. 
that because it is such a great sport that uh, a guy like that who has been at the pinnacle of, of college football is going to have an opportunity to, to finish his career playing uh, at the pinnacle uh, of the college lacrosse game with Notre Dame. Now, is he, he'll go as a grad transfer? Yeah, he, he, I guess he has a year of eligibility, and he's going to go back and he's going to he decide to, to participate in lacrosse. Oh, cool. And it was this, and I have to read up on it. Was this his fourth year then of football eligibility at Alabama? Uh, I guess. I, I, I just saw that yeah. he's going back for his last year, and rather than play football, he's going to play lacrosse. Yeah, good. No, maybe he can, uh, well, if he can go out winning a couple national titles, one in each sport, I, I don't know that there are many or any that ever did that. That's a good point. Yeah, he, he would certainly have a shot. He certainly has a shot. So Yeah. Well, well great show here. It was a 372 here on the hot corner with Coach Sal. Thanks to 60,000 subscribers, 74 countries, whatever language you're listening to the show in, make sure you write some nice comments for Sal, five stars. Uh, that translates in any language to the analytics world. So we got to battle them too, just like baseball. Blackout Coffee, thank you so much. Sal M20, all caps, get you 20% off at checkout. Reward Coach Sal here for a great job with his podcast and get you some Christmas time coffee. And into Ted Kubiak, old school. I've got the book on my shelf. I've also got the fielding manual. Great book. It gives you it gives you his thoughts on what's happened to the game of baseball. It tells you his chronicle through baseball, but also the fielding manual. The best fielding book instruction-wise that I've seen, read, heard, been around from the three-time World Series champion who Jim Cott just called smooth when he watched him. He said they'd get up there on the in the uh, on the uh, dugout steps and just watch Ted take ground balls during BP. That's how good he was. So uh, with that, though, Sal, thanks so much for a great show today. Yep. Look forward to next week, Dave. Have a good week. You too. Cool, let the fool live your life.